What's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. There are several pictures in the Bible that describe different relationships that people have with God. There's the very general picture that you know everyone has, which is God as the creator and we as his creation. But for the most part, the rest of the pictures you know that describe relationships with God are broken up into two different categories. First, those who are in a hostile relationship with God because they have rejected Jesus. And then second, those who have an intimate relationship with God because they have accepted Jesus. Now, those who have this hostile relationship with God because they've rejected Jesus, God, you know, the Bible describes that relationship as a a king uh, and his enemies and a judge and those that he condemns. But for those who have an intimate relationship with God because they've accepted Jesus, we have some wonderful and beautiful pictures of, you know, just the relationship we have with God, like him being the father, us being the children, him being the high priest and us being his blessed congregation, him being the savior, us being the saved. And this morning we're going to look at one of my favorite ones that we see in the Bible, one that's very endearing to us, and that's him being the shepherd and us being his sheep. You know, the picture of shepherd and sheep is something that we see throughout Scripture for those of us who have accepted God as, accepted Jesus as our Savior. And, but you know what? It's also a common way that God described his relationship with the nation of Israel. It's something that he says throughout the Old Testament, calling himself their shepherd uh, and them his sheep. We see this in several passages. I'll give you a few of them. Ezekiel 34, 31 says, You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men, and I am your God, says the Lord. Psalm 95, 7 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 23, 1 and 2 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Isaiah 40, 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And those are just a few of the passages, but throughout the Old Testament, God describes himself as the shepherd and the nation of Israel as his sheep. And they have this kind of special relationship that they have there. And so God is the ultimate shepherd. But we're also told that God appointed men to be shepherds under him to the nation of Israel. We see this in passages like uh, Jeremiah 3.15. It says, And I will give to you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So God gave the nation of Israel these men, these shepherds, and they were supposed to be godly men, and their goal was to feed the nation of Israel with godly knowledge and understanding. And, and we see many of the prophets and, and many of the priests that God had appointed throughout the Old Testament to fulfill the shepherd role to the nation of Israel. Now, 
Something that we do see is that there was a problem that transpired that not everyone who kind of went into this role was called by God or was a good shepherd of God, revealing the godly truth and knowledge of him to the nation of Israel. There are many people who would be described in the opposite way as bad ungodly shepherds. And as you get to the time of Jesus, that's kind of what we see here. You know, we have many rabbis, many religious leaders, and, you know, they either took that title onto themselves or those under them gave them that title of shepherd. But you really couldn't give them the title of good shepherd if you really understood, you know, what they were teaching, what they were doing, you know, how they were, you know, treating the sheep. And so we really saw this clearly displayed in the last chapter of John that we looked at, John chapter Chapter 9, if you remember, this man who was born blind, he's healed by Jesus, and then he's brought before the supposed shepherds of the nation of Israel, the religious leaders, those who should have been watching out for, taking care of, loving on the sheep. And you remember that encounter that this man has with these people. First of all, they don't even believe him. They mock him. They ridicule him. They say, you know what? You didn't get healed at all. You were never blind until his parents come and confirm that he was. Then they interrogate him, and there's this whole back and forth, and they say, well, fine. Then you need to believe that Jesus didn't do this. God did this, that Jesus is a sinner. And when he wouldn't do what they said that he should do or believe what they said he should believe. They mock him. They say he was born in sin and then they excommunicate him from the synagogue. What a bunch of good shepherds. And so we see that they clearly demonstrate they weren't good shepherds. They were bad shepherds. And we see that in last chapter. You know, and it ends with Jesus kind of coming to this man after he's excommunicated. And, you know, this is a great experience for this man. He's just rejected from the religious leaders, from these bad false shepherds. And then the true shepherd comes to him. And not only has he healed him from his blindness, but now he saves him from his sins. And he has this final conversation with some religious leaders about their own spiritual blindness and the fact that they will stay in that state and their sins will stay unforgiven because they're not willing to accept that they're sinners and accept that Jesus is the only one who can deal with their sin. And now we come to chapter 10 this morning, and Jesus is going to speak about the sheep-shepherd relationship. And something that's very important to understand is that we're still in the setting of John chapter 9. You know, it's, it's important for you to realize that chapter and verse breaks are not inspired by God. It's something that man put in so that we could see where things are. Because if I were to say, you know, turn to the, you know, 49th paragraph in John chapter 9 and, you know, the 34th word in that paragraph, you know, it'd be really hard to find things in the Bible. And so we put chapter and verse just for convenience. So I could say, turn to chapter 10 verse 1 and you could find it easily. But the problem is sometimes there's a chapter break where there shouldn't be because literally the conversation doesn't end. We think, well, it's a new chapter. It must be a new day. It must be something new. No, the same group, the same people talking at the end of John chapter nine are just continuing the conversation. Jesus is speaking to the same people and he just starts speaking again in John chapter 10. And so the blind man's there, the religious leaders are there, the conversation and everything that just transpired in John chapter nine is leading Jesus to share the things he's going to share because Jesus is now going to give us a contrast. A contrast between himself, the good, true shepherd, and the religious leaders, the false, bad shepherds. And he's going to share this in light of what they have just shown in their treatment of this blind man that they've revealed, hey, we are bad shepherds. And how Jesus treated this blind man reveals he is truly the good shepherd. 
And so we need to understand the connection between chapter 9 and chapter 10. And we're going to see this very important contrast. Now, in this chapter, Jesus is going to share two more of his I am statements. Remember, throughout the Gospel of John, he gives us seven of these. The the first one we're going to see in this chapter is I am the door. And the next one we're going to see is I am the good shepherd. This morning, in the first 10 verses, we're going to bring our focus to this I am statement of I am the door and what Jesus says, you know, with that. And then next week, we're going to be looking at his great statement as well of I am the good shepherd. Now, Jesus' listeners, you know, they would have been very familiar with shepherds because they grew up in, you know, that kind of more country culture of people seeing and being around and knowing shepherds and knowing how things worked with shepherds and sheep. Whereas many of us who've grown up in the city and maybe you've never actually seen a live sheep in your life or been around sheep or know anything about sheep and shepherds, that some of this stuff in the illustration that Jesus brings up would just kind of go right over your head because you're like, what is he talking about? But his listeners would have been very familiar with that. And so before we start with what Jesus shares uh, about sheep and shepherds, there's a couple things that I think are important for us to understand so that we can better understand the points that Jesus is making. Now, the big thing that we need to grasp is that there are two different sheepfolds that shepherds would use back in this time. And I'll just kind of give them two different titles because of where their location was. We got the country sheepfold, which would have been, you know, out in the country, you know, out in the fields. And then we also have the city sheepfold, which would have been in villages and in cities. And so when they went out into the country where the shepherds spent most of their time out in the fields, you know, they would use these country sheepfolds. And as you can see from uh, the picture that's up there, you know, they would pick up rocks and they would, you know, kind of put these rocks in wall in a pile. But notice that, you know, they would leave this narrow opening, which would be the doorway, but there was no door that was there. And so... These country sheepfolds would look like that. But then when the shepherds would go into the city, there was a different type of sheepfold, as you can see in that picture. Typically, in the city, they didn't put up these huge rocks. They would just have you know wooden fences. They would have a gate. Uh, and the, the big difference was there were many more sheep in the city sheepfolds. It wouldn't just be the shepherd and his flock. There would be many shepherds of many flocks because lots of different shepherds would come into the city at the same time, you know, to do business, to see family, whatever reason they're there. And they would drop off their whole flock in this city sheepfold. And there would be several flocks within that. And they would have a gate that would keep them all in there. And the shepherds would pay a gatekeeper to make sure that nobody would get in and out except for shepherds to let their sheep in and to take their sheep out. Now, um, we need to understand the difference between these two sheepfolds. So the, the first country sheepfold, I want you to understand, it just has uh, one flock of sheep and it has no door versus the city sheepfold where it has many flocks of sheep. It does have a door and it also has a door keeper. And the main reason why we need to understand the difference between these two sheepfold is because Jesus in these first 10 verses is actually going to use illustrations that point to both of them. So in the first five verses, he's going to be talking about the city sheepfold, the one that had many flocks, the one that had a doorkeeper that was there. And so when he gives this illustration, he's focusing on that. But as we get to verses seven through 10, he's going to be talking about the country sheepfold, the one that has no door at all. And so understanding the difference of these two, 
will help us understand the specifics of what Jesus is trying to communicate as he uses these illustrations. And so let's start with the first five verses with the city sheepfold, which had this door, which had lots of flocks and also had a doorkeeper. And let's see what Jesus shares in verses one through five. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet... They will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. So at the city sheepfold, a shepherd would come, he'd bring his flock, he would drop that flock off in the sheepfold, and then he would go about doing his business, not worrying about the flock anymore, because they're there, there's a gate, there's a doorkeeper, and they're now safe in that place. Um, and the doorkeeper, when he would arrive, he would let the shepherd in and his flock in because he is the shepherd to the flock. And then he would be responsible for watching them as the shepherd goes and does his business. So the true shepherd to the sheep would enter by the door. Jesus is saying that there's a proper way for the true shepherd to enter, and that is by the door. Now, those who are not true shepherds, they're going to try to enter another way. They're going to try to get in another way, and that's what thieves and robbers would do. They're not the true shepherds, and so how do they get in? Well, they got to jump the wall. they got to get over the fence. they got to come another way than through the door in order to get to the fence. Uh, and so what Jesus is saying is, hey, the true shepherd of the sheep is the one who comes the proper way through the door. The false shepherds are the ones who do not come the proper way, but they're more like thieves and robbers who try to get in some other way. So... This is something that Jesus is now contrasting. We're going to see throughout this chapter the contrast between himself and the true good shepherd versus the the religious leaders who were bad, false shepherds. And this is one of those first things where it's saying, hey, I am the true shepherd who has come the right way. I've come through the door, the, the way that you should come, versus the false religious leaders, the bad shepherds, who have tried to come another way. They didn't come the proper way. And this is what Jesus is wanting us to see, that there's this difference with them. You see, as Jesus came to the sheep of Israel, he came the proper way, the way that a shepherd should come towards his sheep, with love, a calling by God, care, sacrificial service. And ultimately, Jesus came for the benefit of the sheep, not for the benefit of himself. I came to take care of the sheep, not for the sheep to take care of me. I came to pour into the sheep and take care of their needs, not for what the sheep could do for me. Whereas the religious leaders, the bad shepherds, they came a very different way. Many of them through personal and political connections, through ambition, through manipulation, through corruption. If you look through the history of how these guys rose to power, you see a lot of this stuff going on. But you know what? Ultimately, they came for their own benefit. Not the benefit of the sheep, but for themselves. What could the sheep do for them, not what for they do for the sheep? They weren't true shepherds with a heart to love the sheep and care for the sheep. They just wanted to take advantage of the sheep and use the sheep for their own benefit. And so the way that Jesus came to Israel, the sheep, reveals the kind of shepherd he is. And the way the religious leaders came reveals the kind of shepherds that they were. Jesus was the true shepherd. They were the false shepherds. Now, when the true shepherd enters the door the proper way, notice Jesus goes on to say in verses 3 through 5, to him the doorkeeper opens. 
And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own by name and leaves them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So now Jesus gives us another contrast, a contrast between himself, this true good shepherd, between the religious leaders and the false bad shepherds they are. And notice he says, when the shepherd would come to the city's sheepfold, there's many flocks of sheep in there. Well, the question is then, well, how do they know so many, so many sheep look the same? How do you know, all right, these 50 sheep belong to this shepherd and those 39 belong to this shepherd and, and those 24 belong to this shepherd? You know, how do they determine which sheep go with which shepherd? Well, this is the great thing about sheep and how they would work this. Sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. And so all the shepherd would have to do is come to the gates and make his distinct call to the sheep. And all of his sheep would walk out. They didn't have to point them out or try to figure out who was who. The sheep heard the voice of their shepherd and the sheep would follow the voice of their shepherd. They knew the tone. They knew the voice. You know, I found a video on uh, YouTube depicting this truth where you have a shepherd telling, you know, this group of tourists who are there at this farm, you know, what he says to call the sheep and he gives several of them opportunities and they try to mimic how he says it and just watch, you know, the response of the sheep to what they do when they're trying to call the sheep versus what he does when he calls the sheep. So notice you got those three different people. They're calling the sheep. They're trying to use the call of the shepherd. The sheep just completely ignore them. And then the shepherd gets up there and gives that distinct call. They all look up and then they start running to the shepherd because they know the shepherd's voice and they respond to his voice. You know, we're also told not only does the shepherd call the sheep, but or the sheep know the shepherd's voice, but the, the shepherd calls the sheep by name. You know, and this is just kind of a, another wonderful thing that we see about Jesus, the shepherd of knowing us and calling us by name. You know, most shepherds at that time didn't raise their sheep for lamb chops. They didn't usually kill them. They usually raised them for wool. Uh, and so they would be with them for a long period of time. They would, you know, grow in relationship with these sheep and they would name each one of their sheep a, an individual name that that sheep would have. Uh, and so after the shepherd calls out the sheep, they hear his voice and they come out of the sheepfold. But notice what Jesus tells us the shepherd does after that. And when he brings out his sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. This is another interesting thing that you see about shepherds back then versus many today, where oftentimes today we see more shepherds kind of driving the sheep as opposed to leading the sheep. You know, most shepherds today have sheep dogs and, you know, the shepherd kind of leads from behind. He kind of drives the sheep. The dogs push the sheep where they want the sheep to go. Whereas there, the shepherd would just get in front of the sheep and he would just lead. He would go where he wants to go and the sheep would just follow him where he led. And so that was Jesus is saying, hey, they, they know his voice. And as he leads, they follow his leading. But notice that Jesus contrasts the true shepherd who the sheep know his voice and he knows them and calls them by name and they follow him versus how they respond to false shepherds. He says, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger. And this is the thing here that sheep 
who know their shepherd, know the voice of the shepherd, they're not going to follow anyone else. They're only going to follow the true shepherd. They're not going to follow the false shepherd. And so if someone else comes to the, the sheepfold there and tries to call them out, hey, follow me, they're not going to do that. They'd actually flee from these false shepherds. So what Jesus is saying here not only reveals who the true shepherd is, but also who the true sheep are. And this is kind of an interesting thing. Not only are the religious leaders bad shepherds, but they're also not true sheep of God. Because they don't know the voice of Jesus. They won't believe in who he is. And so not only they are bad shepherds, they're also not true sheep of God. So Jesus uses this illustration of a city shepherd, uh, sheepfold, and he's contrasting himself as the good shepherd uh, versus the religious leaders as these bad false shepherds. But verse 6 tells us something interesting. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the thing in which he spoke to them. So they're listening to the illustration, but they're not really getting it. They don't know what he, why are you telling us about sheep? You know, why are you telling us about sheepfolds? Why are you telling us about shepherds? They don't really get the ultimate point of the contrast of himself versus the religious leaders. They're not really getting quite what the illustration is all about. And so Jesus gives them another sheep shepherd sheepfold illustration, but this time he makes it even more clear. He wants to spell out who he's referring to, what he's talking about, but as he comes with this second illustration, he actually brings up a different type of sheepfold. He goes from the city sheepfold to the country sheepfold. And notice what he says. Remember the country sheepfold, the difference is it only had one flock and it had no door. Verses 7 through 10. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Notice Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the, the country sheepfold, the distinction that was different than the city one, is it has walls like the city one did, but it has no door. It just has this little narrow opening that the sheep could go in and out of. And at night, when it, right before it got dark, you know, the shepherd would bring all the sheep into the sheepfold to protect them from predators at night. And you know what the shepherd would do once they were all in? He would get into that narrow place and he either would sit in that place or lie in that place, depending on the side of it, size of it. And the, the key here is the shepherd was the door. So, well, there's no door. How, how effective can this be? The sheep can go in and out all they want. Predators can go in and out all they want. Well, the reality is no, the shepherd was the door. He was the one who sat there and made sure that any sheep to go in and out has to go over him. So if a sheep tries to wander out, nope, you're not going anywhere. And if a wolf or a predator tries to get in, nope, you're not getting in here. He's the door. He's the one that keeps the, the good in and the bad out. And so with this mindset that they would have understood that, yeah, in the country sheepfold, the shepherd literally was the door. Jesus says, said, okay, you guys aren't getting it. I am the door. I am that shepherd who sits in the doorway. I'm the one that allows bad things not to get in and keeps the good things in the sheepfold. You know, this is the next I am statement of Jesus. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
You know, this is a wonderful, profound statement from Jesus. Not just the fact that he says, I am the door, but what he adds to it, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. You know, there's three wonderful things connected with Jesus and the door and this statement that he makes. First is that Jesus is the door of salvation. We're told if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. You know, if you want to have this intimate relationship with God where you are his sheep and he is your shepherd, there's only one way to get in the sheepfold. There's only one way to have that relationship. You must enter through Jesus who is the door. You can't go some other way. You can't try to climb the wall. There's only one way to enter that, only one way to receive that salvation, and that is through Jesus. And the great news is, is that anyone can enter. We're told, if anyone enters by me, I'm opening it up to anyone. Salvation is for anyone who's willing to enter the way that I have said has to transpire. If you want to try to make your own path, you want to try to get there through your own works, you want to try to get there in your own way, well, that's not going to get you there. But if you're willing to enter through me, through putting your trust in me, that I am God, that I died on the cross for your sins, that I rose from the dead, if you're willing to come through me, anybody who's willing for that will be saved. So it doesn't matter how many sins you've committed. doesn't matter how messed up your life is. If you're willing to come through Jesus, you're willing to put your trust in Him, He will save you from your sins. So first, Jesus is the door of salvation. Second, Jesus is the door of safety. We're told if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. Notice that the sheep can go in and out of the sheepfold with just confidence because they have the safety of the shepherd's protection. He's there to take care of them. He's there to protect them while they're in the sheepfold. He's there to protect them when they go out into the pasture. He is the one that brings safety because he is watching out for the predators. He's the one taking care of their needs. And this is something that he, Jesus does for us. You know, with all that's happening in our world today, this should be something that brings you a lot of joy and peace of that, you know what, I got God who takes care of me. I don't have to trust in the government or trust in something else. You know what, I have the King of kings and Lord of lords who is my shepherd, who takes care of my needs, who watches out and protects me. So first, Jesus is the door of salvation. Second, he's the door of safety. And the third thing we see is he's the door of satisfaction. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out. And notice what you'll find, pasture. Jesus, our good shepherd, leads us to the pasture. He leads us to where we satisfy our needs. That's where the sheep needed to go in order to eat, in order to have their needs satisfied. You know, the satisfaction of Jesus is seen even more clearly in the final contrast that we'll look at here in verse 10 between him being the true good shepherd versus these false religious leaders who are the bad false shepherds. He says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus has already referred to the religious leaders as thieves. Those who come the proper way to the door are the shepherds. Those who try to go other ways are thieves and robbers. And now he comes back to this mindset of thieves being connected to the religious leaders. And the religious leaders, they weren't good shepherds who came to give to the sheep and said they came to take from the sheep. And Jesus says even more, they come to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
Not only are they taking from your life, they ultimately will just take your life. That's how much your life means to these horrible shepherds. That's the kind of shepherds the religious leaders were. But notice the contrast between these religious leaders who could care nothing about the sheep, nothing about the needs of the sheep. They're willing to take from the sheep. They're willing to take the lives of the sheep versus Jesus who says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So the religious leaders who are willing to take lives and take from lives contrasted with Jesus who says, I've come that they may have life. I will give my life so that they could have life and not just have life for eternity because they put their trust in me, but have life of abundance. They may have a life abundantly here and now. That Jesus is both of those things for us. The good, true shepherd, so different than these false shepherds that we see in the religious leaders. And you just see, man, as a sheep, who would you want to follow? You know, the one that gives life and abundant life or the one who takes from you and takes from your life and ultimately takes your life. You know, abundant life isn't especially long life or a comfortable, easy life. Ultimately, it's when you find satisfaction and contentment in Jesus because he is the door of satisfaction. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, Life is a matter of degrees. Some have life, but it flickers like a dying candle and is indistinct as the fire and the smoking flax. Others are full of life and are bright and vehement. When you find your satisfaction and your contentment in Jesus, you're going to have an abundant life that shines for Him. And so here's this great contrast as Jesus is trying to help them see the kind of shepherd he is versus the kind of shepherd that maybe they've been calling these religious leaders. Oh, or you are a shepherd and thinking you're the ones who are supposed to be sharing with us and feeding with us godly knowledge and understanding. You're the ones who are supposed to love and care for us. And Jesus is starting to help them see they're not doing that. They're not that kind of shepherd. I am the good shepherd. They're the false, bad shepherds. I'm the one that gives life and gives it abundantly. They're the ones that take life and take from you. They're thieves who steal and kill and destroy lives. Now, it's so clearly seen, and this is why we have to keep the connection of chapter 9 and chapter 10 together, because all this stuff that they just did to the, the blind man who was healed is just right there. It just happened. And Jesus is right on the heels of that, bringing this contrast. And it's like, all you got to do is look at what they just did to this guy. Here's this guy who was born blind, the one that needed even more sympathy and love and concern and help from supposed shepherds of Israel. And what do they do? How do they treat him? And look at how they deal with him. They ultimately ridicule him and they cast him out of their sheepfold. Excommunicate him, mock him, abuse him. But you know what? That turned out to be a wonderful thing for the blind man. Because not only does Jesus heal him physically, we saw at the end of chapter 9, Jesus healed him spiritually. The man believes in Jesus and gets saved. And guess what? He gets to enter the true sheepfold. Yeah, cast me out of your religious nonsense sheepfold that you guys have. I'll take the true sheepfold under the true shepherd of Jesus. And so Jesus not only gave this blind man, you know, eternal life, he also gave him abundant life. You know, think of the difference of his life here on earth with what Jesus had done to minister to him. So here in these verses, Jesus shares with us another wonderful I am statement. I am the door. Jesus is the door of salvation, the door of safety, the door of satisfaction. And to receive all those wonderful things that Jesus offers, he says, you know what? Anyone can have it, 
But there is a way in which you must receive it, and that is you have to enter through me. You got to come to me. You got to believe in me. You can't get this from someone else or some other path or through what you do. You got to come to me and put your trust in me if you want to receive the door of salvation, safety, and satisfaction. But you know what? We also need to be warned. There are many bad false shepherds. You know, we see this example here in the religious leaders, and as we go through the Gospel of John, we just see so much of what they do. But you know what? If you look today, there are many people like this today. There are many false shepherds today. There are many shepherds out there who are seeking to destroy sheep. They're like thieves and robbers. They just want to destroy and kill. They care nothing for the sheep. It's all about what the sheep can give to them. They're not true godly shepherds, but they are in these roles where people kind of elevate them to that column that think, oh, truly, you're, you're giving me, you know, feeding me godly understanding and truth and wisdom. And the reality is that's not the case at all. And when you're under that type of shepherd, life is not good. You know, King David understood the blessing of having the Lord as your shepherd. Probably the most commonly quoted, memorized passage maybe in all of Scripture is Psalm 23, where David just brags on the reality of what a wonderful blessing it is to have the Lord as your shepherd. And so I want to close this morning just reading Psalm 23 to you. It's only six verses. Many of you probably already have it memorized or at least very familiar with it. But I just hope that as I read it, it just encourages you and reminds you of the blessing that you have having the Lord Jesus Christ as your shepherd and what that brings to your life. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never accepted Him as your shepherd, my prayer is that as you hear what Jesus offers, it would move you to the realization of this is the best decision you could ever make to give your life to Him because what He gives to you is so amazing. And so let's just close. I'm just going to read this to you. I just want you to listen to it and just let the words of God's Word encourage you as we do it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray.